like to welcome everyone. I know we've already welcomed you today, but if you're a guest with us, especially if you're a guest with us today, we are so happy to have you on this uh, Labor Day weekend, but also this, this baby dedication service. We thank you for being here with us today. Those of you that may be joining us online, wherever you're watching from, whether you're a part of us or not, we welcome you as a part of this service this morning and pray that you are touched and blessed by the presence of the Lord. I want to begin with Exodus chapter 2, and before I, before I do this, let me just say uh, to those of you, especially if you're a guest today, uh, we, we're here for a baby dedication, and uh, we, we, we don't believe in infant baptisms, uh, for a lot of reasons, one of the one of the reasons is baptism should be a, a conscious decision that is made by the individual with with a degree of understanding why they're doing it. Uh, we also believe you you can't get any more innocent than a than a than a newborn. Uh, unfortunately, that innocency starts to go away, but there's a nice period. And, and so we do believe there's there's a there's a principle there's some things that were that were done in the Bible that that we pattern after not in the exact same way but we pattern after those principles and so we we, we offer our children uh, dedicate them to the Lord and so that that's what we're going to do here today but before we do that I do feel like I have a, a message from the Lord to to minister for a little bit here this morning. Exodus 2 and beginning with verse number 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took the, the wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months and when she could not longer hide him, she took him from an ark. She took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit to see what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the riverside and when she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid to fetch it and when she had opened it she saw the child and behold the babe wept and she had compassion on him and said this is one of the Hebrews children I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this subject Stewards of a treasure. Stewards of a treasure. Father, thank you so much for your presence that we have felt in this place today. Thank you over the last few moments, your spirit that has moved throughout this sanctuary, touching hearts and lives. Thank you for those that sensed and responded to that tug of your spirit that made some fresh new commitments, Lord, that we want your truth. 
We don't want what the world defines as truth. We don't want what the world says is truth. We want the truth that comes from your word. And I pray now that you would continue to minister, continue to speak in this service. Father, I pray that there would be hearts that would be open to receive. Lord, you says you said your word is a seed, and I pray that our hearts would be good ground today for the seed of your word to be sown into hearts and lives in this place. I trust you again today. I depend on you today. I confess that without you, Lord, I can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know that my pronunciation of these will be correct or not, but the reference here, the mother that is being referenced and the father that is a part of this story, the the father is a man by the name of Amram and the woman's name is Jacobed, Jacobed or probably neither one of those. It's interesting that all throughout Scripture, there are some individuals that are extremely well known for who they were, what they did, what God used them for. One place that you can go to that is kind of packed full of some of these very significant individuals is found in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of referred to as faith's hall of fame. Throughout that chapter, if you've never read it, it goes throughout that chapter stating what different men and women did by faith, through faith. It wasn't, it wasn't their human strength or ability, it was they acted upon faith. And throughout much of that chapter, there are names that are specifically mentioned, and then there's a portion of it where not so much names are mentioned, but what individuals did is mentioned, and if you know the Bible very well, you recognize who those individuals are and and what their names were. But not one of those individuals came along by themselves. (laughs) There's only one person that just sort of got here. And that was Adam. Everybody else, you, 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 you arrived the same way. You were born into the world. <laughs> and, and we tend to focus so much on these individuals. Now let me say, there are a number of people here today. There's especially a, a number of adults here today, part of this congregation, that, that you are a, you are a first generation apostolic. You, you were either raised in some kind of other faith or denomination, uh, and and you 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 came you became apostolic as, as an adult, um, or you you weren't even raised in church at all, and and this is this is all you've known, and and your parents were not, and perhaps still are not apostolic or even Christian for that matter. So I I realize that that you are here today, but I've come this morning to preach to those that have the ability to affect the future. 
I am thankful for all of you, and I believe that as we continue on, there will be more that continue to come just like that. Not apostolic, not born and raised as an apostolic, but, 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 but come to this wonderful truth and, and make a commitment to it and, and become a part of us. But, but, but we're here today on this dedication day and this day where we've got our, our children here that are normally in Sunday school and, and I've come to preach to the parents today of those kids. Because while we're thankful for Moses and others throughout Scripture and what they did, the reason that they got there was because there was a mom or a dad or both that made some decisions that I've been given a treasure And I want to be a good steward of this treasure. This verses that I have read to you is one of the more well-known stories of the Bible. If you've been to Sunday school, if you know much about the Bible, you know the story of Moses and, and you have some idea of the basics of that story. And as I've already referenced, because of the, the growing number of the children of Israel in Egypt, the, 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 the Pharaoh who was now in charge decided, you know, uh, we, we can't let them keep growing like they are because they, they might grow up to become a great army and overthrow us. So they, a, a, a decree was issued that, that every male child that was born to the Hebrews was supposed to be killed. There was, there was penalty if you didn't do that. It was, it was dangerous if you, if you ignored that. And obviously, there were many families that, that out of fear and intimidation simply gave in to that. That decree. But this was a little bit different story. This baby is born to Jochebed and something about him she recognizes was was unique. It was special. She decides to try to hide him for, for a period of time. I'm not quite sure how you hide an infant for three months. <laughs> I don't know how you keep the noise level of that baby down enough that nobody knows you have him. But somehow she managed to do that for three months and obviously reached the point to recognize we we can't continue like this. So she makes the decision to build him a little ark, a little little basket that will float and Put him in the river, I guess, hoping against hope that he would not be killed. And along comes Pharaoh's daughter and sees this basket and it's brought to her and she finds this, this Israelite. She had compassion on him, verse 6 says, and she, she, she said, this is, this is one of the Hebrew children. Why she did not decide to just have him killed other than God's sovereignty, we don't really have an explanation for that. Approximately 40 years later, we find this goodly child 
being sent by God to go before Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. The ones that you have enslaved now, the ones that you have held in captivity, it's now time to let them go. And we celebrate Moses as the one that God used to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. We, we celebrate Moses standing there at the Red Sea with his, with his rod over that sea and the waters parting and an entire nation of people walking through on, on dry ground. We celebrate Moses on the mountain and God giving him the commandments and, and we celebrate Moses leading the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. But there would not have been a Moses, if there had not been some stewards that could be entrusted with that life. Oh, I've come to preach to some parents. I've come to preach to some, some families today. We're in a world that is amped up. It's attacked to get our kids. They're being bombarded from every side. But God has entrusted some stewards here today. And will we be faithful to be the stewards that God has entrusted us to be? I, it, it, everybody wants to be the Moses. Everybody wants to be the name that's known, but, but those names would have never been there without somebody who was not willing to make commitments and sacrifice and dedicate themselves and, and dedicate that child. You, you understand that the children of Israel were, were oftentimes surrounded by or governed by nations that would literally sacrifice their children to idols. Can I tell you, it's a, it's a sad thing. I, I, once again, I haven't come to preach a fluffy, light-hearted holiday weekend message. Can I tell you it's a sad thing that, that idolatry goes on just as much in our world today as it did back then. The problem is we are blinded to it because we don't have statues that are set up and, and we're not physically throwing kids into a fire to sacrifice them and yet we sacrifice our kids on, on altars of career and education and pushing them down paths that lead Lead them away from God rather than toward God. I listened the other day. I came across a, an interview of Bryce Harper of fairly popular baseball, one of the better known, one of the one of the one of the better players in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's 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 been around a long time, relatively speaking, in sports a long time. And, and he, he's, he's probably not in his prime anymore, but, but, but they, they were interviewing him and, and, uh, in fact, it was, it was, uh, there was a, they do a game at the Little League World Series where they actually have two major league teams come and play a game. 
And, and the Phillies, I forget who they were playing, the Phillies were one of the teams in that game, and they were interviewing Bryce Harper, and, and, and he didn't know it at the time, but his wife and his, his two little ones were actually at that game, and, and he, he got to talking about the, you know, that, that how important his family and his kids were, but because of the, because of the schedule that he has as a professional athlete, there's all kinds of things that, that he misses in their lives, and, and, and here is a guy that's making millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's been an all-star. He's had a pretty successful career as a, as a major league baseball player. And you could hear the, the, the sense of regret that he had because he was saying what matters the most is not what I do on a field. It, it's not the money I'm being paid. It's not the 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 fame and the popularity but what matters the most is those little ones and I've come to preach to some people today that you don't have all the fame and the popularity and you're not making all the millions but you've got the greatest treasure that there is yet we want to sacrifice them on altars We don't call it that because it's not physical like they used to do. It's a good thing that Moses' parents were willing to risk their lives for his safety. Go throughout Scripture. Names such as Samson we find in Judges chapter 13. The the Bible says in Judges 13 and verse 1, The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor soft nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. We, we find Samson to be a very significant character in the, in the history of the children of Israel. We, we find some great victories that were won throughout Samson's life before he made some poor decisions. But there would have never been a Samson to do those things had there not been a Manoah. Had there not been some parents that were willing to be challenged by the angel of the Lord that you're going to be given a child, but you're not just being given a child for your own benefit, for your own enjoyment. You are being entrusted. You're being entrusted with something that that God has some plans for, that God has a future for. Samson would have never been the Samson he was if that had not happened. We can, we can go to the, to the book of Samuel, the first chapter of Samuel, and, and I've got the verses, but I'm not going to read them for the sake of time. But, but we find, it's interesting how many barren women we find that God chose to use them for, to, to, to birth very significant individuals. There was a, a woman by the name of Hannah and, and, and her husband, uh, Elkanah, right? 
He had two wives. I don't get that. There are some things in the Bible I'm going to tell you I don't understand. I, I don't know why you want more than one wife. I'll just leave that right there. I ain't going to say no more because I'll end up getting in trouble. <laughs> he had two wives and one of them had children and the other didn't. And Hannah was the one with no children and she was desperate to have a child. And he says him, he loved her more than he loved the woman that gave him all the kids. And, and, and he said, am I not good enough? Am I not better to you than all these kids? When you start having kids... That's what you start saying to your wife. What about me? Am I not better than all of them? There was something inside of her said, I want a child. She, she, they, they made, they made treks to the temple periodically. And, and in one of these trips, she was at the temple and the Bible says she's, she's, she's praying and she's praying in such a way with such desperation that the priest accuses her of being drunk. What are you doing in the house of God, drunk, acting the way you are? She said, you, you don't understand. I'm I'm not drunk. I'm just so desperate to have a child. I I want to bear a child. And then she makes this commitment. If God will give me a child, I will give him back to God. We're about to do that in a few moments here, but we're about to do that in a figurative way. We're not about to do that literally. You're not about to leave your kids with me as the pastor. I've raised my own, got a grandbaby coming, that's good enough. You keep yours. But she wasn't saying it figuratively. She was saying it literally, I'm so desperate to have a child that if God will give me a child, I'm willing to sacrifice all of the things that go along with being a mother. So he lets her know you're going to have a child and sure enough she has a child. The Bible says when when he was weaned, he was old enough, a couple of years old perhaps, she fulfills her promise. It's amazing the number of people when they're in a desperate situation make promises to God. God, if you'll just get me out of this or if you'll just do that, I promise you that I'll do X, Y, and Z. And I've watched time and time again that when the drama wears off, when things get back to normal, promises go out the window. It was when, after the building collapsed from the snow in 2003, when we first made auditorium space up here, basically where that the right side of the, the glass doors are forward was what the sanctuary was. 
all of this was expanded to where it is now in 2009, but in that smaller sanctuary, much smaller platform, the roof was a lot lower, but I can remember actually standing somewhere in this general vicinity in that, in that altar, and there was, a, there was a dad that came up to me, and he had a child that, that all, basically almost died, and as that child was being flown by medevac to the hospital, he was driving in his car, and he told me this had just happened just a few days before that. He, he, he said, I, I, I was praying on the way. I, I know I haven't been where I needed to be. I know I haven't been doing what I need to do. But, but I told God, if you'll just let my child live, God, I'll, I'll get everything right. I stood there. That's awesome. That's great. Praise God. Only to watch. And when she pulled through it and everything got back to normal, he didn't keep his promise. I had that same individual tell me about this story that happened several years later. He was out running and jogging and some crazy reckless driver came very close to striking him as he was running. And I got the same story again. It's one thing to make your promise and bargain with God to get you out of your mess. God, if you'll just, if you'll not let me die, if you'll save me, if you'll get me out of prison, God, I'll serve you. Thankfully, there are some people that keep those promises, but I'm going to tell you, I would venture to say it's a higher percentage that don't. And for better or worse, God usually keeps His end of the deal. I can't imagine what it was like for Hannah. To bring that child, I don't know, five, six years old. I don't know that the Bible really tells us clearly. Let's just throw that out as a basic idea. One of the, one of the absolutely cherished memories of my life was bedtime when my kids were little. The, 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 the rituals we had... With the girls, it was usually sitting down on the floor in their bedroom and reading a Bible story every night. And we kept having kids, and some of those things went out the window. We were just trying to keep our head above water, and the boys didn't always get that. Timothy had a routine. He was probably about a year old or so, and I'd usually put him down at night, and I'd go in the room, and and I'd, I'd, I'd hold him, and I'd pray for him, and and uh, he he would he would just when I said amen, it became like clockwork. He pulled his head up, pulled his pacifier out, give me a kiss, and put it back in. And then the, the the light switch was next to his crib, and so I he would reach over to try to turn it off, and we kind of had a game where he'd reached and I'd pull it back, and I'd get a little giggle. I'm t- I man. She, she never got that. I guess for a little bit of time, but then, man, the moments that are a normal part of parenting that are some of the most wonderful memories. She, she was willing to sacrifice that because she gave her 
She gave her word, God, if you'll just give me a child, I, I won't keep him for my own selfish reason. I'm gonna, you kept your word, God, I'm gonna keep my word. If, if Hannah would have gone back on her word and decided, you know what, I, I, I don't know about this taking my son, giving him back to God thing. I, I don't know about dropping him off at the temple and letting him be raised there. Think about all the things I'm gonna miss. Then, then think about the two books of Samuel and all of the things that happened that would not have happened had there not been a Hannah who was willing to prioritize a treasure that she had been entrusted with. The Bible says of Samuel, not one word that he spoke fell to the ground. There would have been no John the Baptist had there been no Elizabeth and Zacharias who were willing to be stewards of a treasure. Then of course, everything's about Jesus. That's the number one most important thing. The bottom line is this, Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, had to have Someone that would be a good steward of Him. There had to be somebody that could be trusted to properly care for Him. See, in in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus was was baptized by, by John, by John the Baptist. He comes to John and he says, you know, I, I need, uh, I'm here to be baptized. John says, I can't, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. But, but Jesus, he makes this statement. He says, it, 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 it's, it becometh us. It's necessary to fulfill all righteousness. You, you see, we, we focus in a lot of ways on the on 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 the the three years or so of Jesus' ministry, and and all that he did to make the right choices and to live a sinless life, but but you understand there were some things before he got to that point that had to be done to fulfill all righteousness. It didn't just start when he got baptized. A part of fulfilling all righteousness was on the eighth day. He needed to get brought to the temple to be circumcised. Just because he was God in the flesh, he didn't have the ability to get to the temple by himself. Somebody had to be dedicated and committed to doing in Jesus' life before He could make His own choices what needed to be done so that all righteousness could be fulfilled. Oh, Jesus. Mark 
I've already referenced this. We've talked about it with Moses. I've already referenced it with Jesus. But Matthew chapter 2 verse 13 says, when they, when they were departed, behold the angel, they were departed from Bethlehem, behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Jesus would have never made it to a cross had there not been a Joseph and Mary that were willing to be good stewards of that life. He'd have never made it to Calvary. He'd have have never made it to the point of dying for our sins had there not been some parents who were were in tune with the Spirit of God and, and, and were responsive to the instructions of God. I'm thankful for everything Jesus did. And no, I'm not here to be like the Catholics and make Mary something extra special. But there had to be some stewards. For Jesus to get to the point that He did, there had to be somebody that was a good steward of that treasure. We even find it to a degree in 2 Timothy chapter 1 where Paul makes reference to Timothy. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Timothy, there's something unique in you. There's something special in you, Timothy. But when I think about what's in you, I also remember your, your, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. Timothy, you got something in you that's special and and there's some things that God's going to do through you that are important. But when I think about you, I think about your heritage. When I when I think about you, I think about what your mother had and what your grandmother had. Timothy, you didn't get what you got by yourself. You didn't end up where you are. And I'm going to say it one more time. I know there's a whole bunch of you that you didn't get here because of your parents, but I'm not preaching about you today other than challenging you that if you have, if you now have the opportunity to be stewards of lives that God has entrusted into your care, then why don't you make up your mind? You may not have had it for you and for the grace of God you're here, but why not provide it for the next generation? He said, I, I see what's in you, Timothy, but it didn't start in you. Think about your grandmother, and then I don't just think about, I mean, I think about your mother, but I don't just think about your mother, I think about your grandmother. I've got at least one grandparent on each side, my mom and dad's side. I've got at least one great, excuse me, one great grandparent that was an apostolic. A grandmother on my dad's side, a grandfather on my mom's side. What an absolutely amazing. Not the norm opportunity that my 90 plus year old grandmother is a part of this congregation. (laughs) 
said it before. I don't think I've ever said it with her present. At least that I don't remember. But one of the most sobering moments of my life was several years ago as I sat in her in her living room in her apartment and she said, I trust you more than anybody else in these last few years of my life to make sure that I get to heaven. What in the world? Who knew that day when a couple of young girls passed by and this young girl was sitting on a porch with her mother when they, when they gave her a flyer to come to church? Who knew that there would be an Alice Wright? Who knew? But if for those years prior to my mother reaching the point to make her own decisions, if, if Remus and Lula Singletary, most of you don't know Remus. Some of you know Lula, but most of you don't know Remus. There wouldn't have been an Alice had there not been a Remus and a Lula. And of course, pretty much here everybody knows my parents, the founders of this church. Without them, there wouldn't have been a, a David. Now I got four my own kids and two sons in law. And a grandbaby coming in a couple of weeks. If you do the math, that's six generations. Six generations. I know some of you are first generation, and I really doubt you're going to get to six generations after you, because if we're not at the end, we're really, really close. When I say that to you as a challenge today, that no matter how much time there is until Jesus comes, you're not just living this for yourself. Your decisions aren't just about you. There's a really popular song that we sing sometimes that I think a whole bunch of people have rewritten. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about me. It's all about me. In case you don't know it, the song says it's all about you. Man, how many things do we do in our lives that it's all about us? What pleases us? What, what appeals to us? What if? What if some of you moms and dads here today, what if there's a Moses that's growing up in your house? What if God's given you a Samuel? What if God's given you a Sarah or a Ruth or a, a Mary or an Elizabeth? What if maybe you're not going to be the hero that everybody talks about and preaches about, but if it were not for your dedication and commitment, if it were not for your faithfulness to the house of God, if it were not for your example of how to live for God and how to worship, that they might not become who they're supposed to be? I've got this... From a human, I'd just be honest, from a natural human standpoint, this thing that really tests my, 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 uh, my, uh, my attitude. Cause I'm, I'm, I've spent most of my life being known as Chester Wright's son. 
And now for years I've become known as Elizabeth's dad or Esther's dad or Timothy's dad or Nathaniel's dad or Jalen's father-in-law or Jacob's father-in-law. What about me? Why can't I just be awesome for me? Everybody's willing to be the hero. But there are no heroes if there's not some stewards. There are no heroes if there's not some dedicated praying mothers and fathers who are willing to not put their own selves first, but put what is important first. To put what matters most first. You see, because not every story has the wonderful outcome of the ones I shared There's examples, there's a number of examples, but I'll just use this one example. Again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but you can find it in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, the children of Israel have gone into the promised land and they fought the battle of Jericho, that that famous battle where they march around the city six days in a row. They march around the walls of that city one time. And then on the seventh day, they march around that city seven times. And on the seventh time, the Bible says they're given an instruction to shout and that when they shout, the walls would fall and they would be able to go in and take that city. Is a common part. It is a common part, but especially in Bible times, it's a, it's a common part of war that you take spoils when you, when you conquer. It's part of the reward of your fighting, but, but God gave very specific instructions. He said this first battle, when you win it, All of it belongs to me. It's all mine. You don't get anything from this one. There's more that's coming and you can get stuff from those, but you don't get anything from this one. They go in, they fight that battle, they win it. Somebody hear me right now. Amongst all of those people, there was one man that decided... He had the right to make his own choices. Disregard what Joshua instructed. And and it it, it won't be a big deal. The Bible says he, he took, I believe, some silver, some gold, and a Babylonian garment. And the crazy thing is, after stealing them, taking them, all he could do is go hide them. Didn't even get any benefit from them. And he goes and he buries them in his, in his tent. And then shortly after that, the, the children of Israel are, they go to fight the next battle, except the outcome of this battle's not good. They go running back for their lives. They all get upset. Joshua, I mean, Joshua goes from marching around Jericho in this great victory to like, you know, God, you, wh- wh- what is the deal? You're just going to let us die now? God says, well, there's, there's a little problem. I told you when you went into Jericho and you fought that battle that everything there belongs to me. Leave it alone. But you've got someone in your midst 
that decided it was okay for them to take some stuff they weren't supposed to take. And it's cost you this battle. The Lord instructs them and they begin to go tribe by tribe, house by house. And they come down to this man by the name of Achan. He gets the garment, gets the gold, gets the silver. And then, listen to this. They don't just take him and punish him. They took all of his family. All of his family. Took them out and stoned them and burned his possessions. He didn't consult with his wife. He didn't consult with his kids. In fact, it appears to me they don't even know what happened. They may have possibly known that he buried. Maybe. But they didn't make the choice. He made the decision. I can disregard what God said. I can. It, it's not a big deal. It's just a little bit of gold. It's just a little bit of silver. It, it's just a garment. Who, who's going to really care? God cares. But I wonder, I wonder what individual would have come from Achan's heritage had he obeyed rather than disobeyed. I wonder who his offspring could have been had he decided, you know what? Some gold and silver would be really nice and a Babylonian garment would be really great, but, but it's not worth my wife. It's not worth sacrificing my kid, my family. It's not worth it. But he made a decision for himself that it didn't just cost him his life, but it cost him his family's life. It's a sad, sad thing when kids are born and raised in church. But unfortunately, they live in the house of an Achan that decides instead of rather doing it God's way, rather than putting God first, I, I'm going to just, I'm, it, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a few little things here and there. I'm just going to decide to modify. The sad thing is, we all take an adamant stand and get all up in arms about abortion of physical babies. God only knows how many spiritual babies have been aborted because there were some stewards that God wanted to entrust a treasure to. God wanted to give a life to that had great purpose and, and calling on it in His kingdom somebody was not willing to be a good steward of the treasure that was given I believe in education I think education is important 
I think if you have the means and the ability to get an education, it's great. But eternity is more important than education. Eternity is a bigger priority than an education. I think if you can have a successful career and make money and all that, that's great as long as the priorities are right. But, but eternity is more important. This life is but a vapor. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in that older people category and I'm learning all those things I used to hear my dad talk about. I now talk about them. The same way I rolled my eyes at my dad, my kids are now rolling their eyes at me. You get a couple of guys my age or older together without, pretty much without fail. Aches and pains are coming up in the conversation. Get a couple of parents my age or older around and somebody's going to say, where did, where did time go? And how true it is. I, I, it blows my mind. I got two married daughters, one son, getting married in a couple of weeks. Where, where, where did it, where did it go? And how often we give all of our time, effort, and energy investing in what is a vapor. When we've been given the opportunity to invest in what is eternal and what will have an eternal impact. In just a moment, I'm going to invite the parents and the friends and family of those that have children to get dedicated to come. But just before I do that, can, and we may have an opportunity for this even more in a few moments, but before we stir, before we move, would you just bow your heads for a moment? I, I believe there's some, there's some parents in this place. If you're listening the Spirit of the Lord. I, I know some of you are probably like, I came here today for a baby dedication. I didn't come here for this. I, I, I'm not going to apologize for doing what I believe the Lord has instructed me to do. I'm not going to apologize for what I feel like the Lord has given me to preach today. The baby dedication service is not a throwaway service. <laughs> I'm preaching to some moms and dads today. It's not all about you. It's not all about you, particularly to moms and dads in this place that you still have kids at home, teenagers or younger. It's not all about you. Who knows if, if that's a John that you've been given, if that's a, if that's a Moses that you've been entrusted with, if, if that's a Mary, if that's an Elizabeth. Who knows? Who knows? Lord, there's been such a wonderful manifestation of Your presence, such a great moving of Your Spirit in a deep way already in this place. But God, before we move on, I pray that somehow somebody, somebody in this place today would have ears to hear what You're saying to them. heart that's open to receive what you're trying to say and do in their life. I pray for some moms and dads in this place today, God, that may have some misplaced priorities. Maybe they're, they're, they're 
prioritizing some things that are so temporal and fleeting, things that are but a vapor, but there's still an opportunity, there's still a chance to put priorities in the right order and be the stewards of what you've entrusted to us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.